Hello, I'm Dale Becker, as mentioned, and if we haven't already met, we've been here at uh, the bridge, me and my family, my uh, boys, my wife, Mary, and my boys, Noah and Caleb. Hi, boys. They're watching right now. Hello. Um, for almost uh, three or four years now. Gosh, if you guys have been open for six, this is amazing. This is a time to celebrate. Um, I'm, a, I'm grateful, especially in this season, that I have a place like this to be part of a community where the pastoral staff keeps our eyes on Jesus, keeps our heart in his word. There's so many things tearing at us right now, whether it be news or politics or friend groups or just internal struggles of depression, that keeping our eyes set on the same thing and having that weekly and even daily reminder throughout the week that we just need to focus on the Lord is so helpful. So thank you, Dennis, and thank you, team. And before we get started, I did want to take a moment to pray for our families and children as they return to school. There's a lot of uncertainty and anxiety uh, as we all navigate this transition, right? And uh, taking a moment to, here to pray, I believe, will make all the difference in the world. So join with me. Holy Spirit, grant us special graces to rise to the occasion and overcome the challenges posed by this unprecedented season. As many of our children are attending school on a remote model, using technology more than ever before, I pray for your protection against any and all online threats. I pray for our children's minds, bodies, and development that the increased use of tech would not hamper them in any way. I pray for those children who are not able to benefit as well from the format of remote learning. May you grant them with all the special graces and assistance they need to continue to learn, grow, and especially not be left behind in this already hard season. I pray for our teachers, our school, our district administrators, and government officials that you would promote goodwill, wisdom, and sound corporate thinking for the sake of our children. I pray for our parents, the households who will struggle to juggle their own work and meeting the needs of their children all day long at home. Help us to have special grace for ourselves while also allowing your Holy Spirit to stretch us and show us just how much we are capable of by your power. Just give us the drive, Lord. The drive to see what's possible during the season. Help us to be wise in this time, Lord, knowing that we can redeem these days that we aren't relegated to waiting out 2020 like all the memes say. Mold us, Lord, grow us during this time. Strengthen our faith and our courage, but also soften our hearts. Make us receptive. We give you this time, this season to do as you see fit, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Do what you do, Lord. Amen. I uh, hope you have been blessed as I uh, by the recent uh, daily Bible reading plan.
take 10 with the Holy Spirit is what it's called. We're 20 plus days in and I'm continually impressed with how great the Psalms are to equip us in these challenging times. August 1st, we started with Psalm 1 and it reads, blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the Lord. Or if you want to be old school, we could say, blessed is the man who wants to, who, who walks in the counsel of the Lord, that he shall be like a tree planted by streams of waters that produces its fruit in its season, and his leaf shall not wither. How great is it to know that in a time of upheaval, where plants and systems and things are getting ripped out of the ground, that those who are planted in the Lord are sure-footed, are provided for, are cared for, are remembered. Sometimes it's just good to feel remembered by God. Am I right? Beyond the daily reading plan, we've been in Matthew 5 this year, the Sermon on the Mount. And every time I'm in Matthew 5, I keep thinking back to Pastor Dennis' sermon about being in the business of course correction. Because every sentence, every verse in the chapter is either challenging us to change direction or prompting us to move where we've been stagnant. Every sentence forces us to reconsider our ways and challenges us to follow God. Follow God. If we're open to his voice and his leading... Those words in Matthew 5 graduate us from darkness to light, from slave to free, from fear to faith, from weakness to strength. And today, as we engage Matthew 5, through 37, we shall see the Lord challenging us to move from phony to real, from untrustworthy to trustworthy, from someone who might be a little fickle, someone who doesn't follow through reliably, to a solid disciple of Christ, to someone who's busy and slammed, who edges God out of their schedule with their busyness, to someone who sets a time aside for the Lord because it's that important. I, for one, want to be a column of strength in God's kingdom. So I'm ready for the transforming effect of this word today, and I pray that you are too. Now, about a month ago, I was uh, sitting down at about 10, 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, coffee in hand. The bridge worship team was doing a fantastic job of singing, Great Are You, Lord. And uh, I turned to Mary over the music, and I said, you know, Dennis wants me to speak in early September. First off, I was totally wrong. He wanted me to speak today. It's not September. But all that aside, she goes, oh, yeah? What are you speaking about? And I said, oaths. And she just gave me a confused look. And I was like, oaths. And she said, oats? You're speaking about oats? And I raised my, music, uh, my voice above the music even more. I'm like, oaths. And she said, 
oats like in oatmeal. And then I closed my eyes and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you should title your sermon, Sowing Your Wild Oaths. And I thought, God, that's amazing. I told Mary what the title was going to be. And after some talking it through, we got on the same page and she decided that I should give her credit for the title of this message. So here you go, Mary, public accreditation of this title to you and to the Lord. Let us dive into the word, Matthew 5.33. Thank you, Anthony. Really helped me paint the picture. Matthew 5.33, again you have heard, it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or one hair black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Let me read that last part. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Some translations say the evil one. This scripture is totally and completely lost on us in this culture, if we're honest. What are you going to do with it? Jesus here is talking about oaths. Another word would be vow, a solemn commitment, maybe an agreement. A contract has oaths in it, has agreements and commitments in it. An oath is a tool to win over a person or group of people when stakes are high, and your simple yes or no answer isn't enough to give them like confidence that you're going to follow through. It starts when we are children. When I was a kid and I asked a friend something, did you do this or did you not do that or did you say this? And they would say yes or no, and then you would go, well, do you promise? And they'd say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. My God. Who in in the chat room knew that I was going to say that? Did everyone know? All right, come on. That's essentially a curse. That's basically saying, you know, Uh, If I'm not telling the truth, may God smite me dead. When we testify in court, we we say, or we're, we're told, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And we say, I do. We take that oath. I'm sure you've heard someone say in a moment of anger, or maybe a parent, some kid or something, go, I swear to God. I mean, geez, when I was getting my, going through the ordination process as a pastor like 10 years ago, I had to make vows of all sorts. When I got married, I made vows. And interestingly interestingly enough, in this 
highly charged political season, the, we, we go and vote, right? Well, if you go to the, the root of uh, the etymology or the origins of the word vote, it's the Latin word votum, which literally means to vow. The idea is that we vow to a candidate or vow ourselves to a group or to an idea. What candidate will you vow for? When downloading new apps to your phone, do you ever read the terms and conditions before clicking accept? Mia here says she does. <laughs> she reads all of them. You don't take them seriously enough, though, because if you did, you wouldn't be clicking accept. You would have no cell phone. You would have no websites. No online banking. It's kind of, uh, this is kind of a funny but serious example of, uh, of this uh, particular subject. But did you know in 2010, as an April Fool's gag, GameStation, an online game retailer, legally claimed the souls of 7,500 people who accepted their terms and conditions with the added immortal soul clause. It reads, by placing an order via this website on the first day of the fourth month of the year 2010, Anno Domini, A.D., very fancy, you agree to grant us a non-transferable option to claim for now and forevermore your immortal soul. Should we wish to exercise this option, you agree to surrender your immortal soul and any claim you may have on it within five working days of receiving written notification from gamestation.co.uk or one of its duly authorized minions. Crazy, huh? 7,500 people unknowingly signed this just to enter a website. Or maybe they knew it. Maybe they thought it was funny and they clicked accept anyway. Who cares? You know, they're just words. Just a little checkbox. In a culture filled with the necessity of daily swearing, vowing, oath-taking, binding agreements, contract-taking, what course correction needs to take place from this scripture? It seems impossible, improbable, at least on this planet in this day and age, and at least in Jesus' time 2,000 years ago, this was an issue as well, that we could ever not just, just not take oaths. It seems impossible. And we cannot just ignore this text because it's challenging. And it's not just out of date. This word is for today. I believe what the Lord is addressing in his listeners, in his disciples, in you and I, is our tendency as humans to take vows and oaths way too lightly. And as far as God is concerned, especially if you look in the Old Testament, oaths and agreements are binding. They are a big deal. And essentially... We just go through life sowing our wild oaths. 
I know I'm walking off camera. It's on purpose. We just walk through life, sewing here, sewing there. Oh, that seems like a good idea. And we just make a total mess of the stage, I mean our life. We just sew like it's nothing, like it's an oat. We promise this and we commit to that. We start with simple yeses or nos as long as they work, but soon, especially in today's day and age, we say so many yeses and nos that the world around us, our friends, our, our, our banks, our, the, the world knows that every American, every citizen of this world is overcommitted, overextended in one way or another. And that's when the need to promise, to stick needles in eyes, to provide collateral, to swear, to contract, to vow, seemingly becomes essential. Because your yes and no is no longer adequate. If it wasn't, wasn't adequate in Jesus' time, it's surely not adequate now. And I have three things that I'd like to consider with you about oaths and why we shouldn't go through our lives just making them like they're nothing. I have oats on my paper. I'd like to ask for a little interaction from you all at home. I need your help. And I know it's a bit cheesy, and I, knew, I know I grew up in the 80s during game shows and whatnot, but I love dad humor, and so you're going to have to just bear with me. I would like us all to say together as loudly as possible, Noah and Caleb, need your help, like as if you were on a TV game show, I'd like to say together, oaths unlike oaths, but I want to say it like this, oaths unlike oaths, yes, so let's practice, I'll say one, two, three, and then we'll say oats unlike oats together. And husbands, I'm counting on you to be so loud that your wife gives you the, are you serious right now? Look, um, guys I'm thinking about right now are like Ihan, Ihan, please, uh, you know, a Anthony, you're a husband in training. We need you, man. Tom Burkhart for sure. I want the neighbors to hear. All right, ready? One, two, three. Oats, unlike oats, are hard to swallow. Tell me, when someone tells you something and has to swear that it's true, does it make you believe them more? Or does it make you believe them less? Does it make it more believable or less believable? To me, it makes you, what you're trying to tell me harder to swallow, harder to believe. And when people swear in court, when politicians put their hand on the Bible, does it really affect whether you believe their words or not? Does it engender your trust? Not mine. If our yes and our no are not good enough for our family, our friends, our co-workers, our kids, then Jesus is telling us this morning that we have some work to do rebuilding trust. 
and reestablishing power. Jesus wants to build disciples with power in their yes and power in their no, so that those words are all that is required. In my line of work, I've been reliable enough to where people really count on my simple yes. If I say yes, they trust. The thing I've really had to work on is my no. People didn't used to believe my no, and my personal boundaries would get trampled all over. Will you do this job for free or for later payment? No. Would you do it for next to nothing? No. You know, and they just keep pushing and pushing. What if I buy you coffee? This is a really big opportunity. And then I finally got to the place of working with Ryan, who's a worship leader here, who, who no is her favorite word. And her no has some power. So people, when they get her no, they, they're like, oh, okay. You know, and I've had to learn from that. Okay, remember our little game, Oaths Unlike Oats. Say it with me. One, two, three. Oaths Unlike Oats. Divide our attention from God. The Bible is clear. When we commit to something, we had better follow through. But when you stack up commitment after commitment, pretty soon, what do you have left for God? If I really wanted to be mean to Pastor Maddie or whoever's going to help me, maybe I'm going to be picking this up myself. If I wanted to be mean to myself, I could just like scatter this whole stage with, with so many seeds or oats that, you, that there's just no room anymore. And that's the, the picture that I want to paint, that at soon, uh, you, you, if you plant so much seed, if you just go through sowing oaths, you, you can't even make out the floor where you're planted from where your commitments are. Pretty soon, what will you have left for God? Does promises to people or people-pleasing? Because sometimes we make an oath just to please people. Get in the way of our serving God fully. Jesus was recorded saying, Thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. He wasn't going around saying, My will is this, my will is that, or I will do this or I will do this, or Nicodemus, I will meet you at 3 p.m. at your house. I will. I will. I mean, he had more people tearing at us than we will ever know, uh, tearing at him than we will ever know. He, he had the whole world who needed him, and yet he didn't go around making promises, I will do this, I will do that. He was always saying, thy will, God. Thy will. So take into account how much your attention is divided from God? How much I wills drive out your ability to say, Lord, thy will be done today? Oaths unlike oats. One, two, three. Oaths unlike oats. 
Wait, let's do that again because I said oats unlike oats, and that just isn't going to fly. Oats unlike oats are not biodegradable. They don't just deteriorate with time. You may forget your commitments, but God will not and people will not. And maybe that's why certain of us have trust issues with people is because people don't forget. You forgot, but they didn't. Jesus touched on this in verse 23 of chapter 5. He said, if you're at the altar to bring me a gift and you remember that your brother has something against you, in other words, if you haven't made good on a commitment or you owe somebody something or you have a relationship that's not doing too good because of misunderstandings or, you know, whatever. He said, leave your gift at the altar. Leave here. Go home and get right before that person takes you to court and you get found guilty and the jailer throws you into jail. You will be there until you paid the last penny. Those are some pretty harsh words, but he's saying, whatever religious stuff you're doing for me right now, whatever money you're about to give or whatever grand thing you have planned for me, if you have a relationship that you need to fix, if you have done something that you need to fix, that you need to apologize for, you better apologize or fix it before the day of reckoning. That's tough to hear. It's tough to hear that it, it doesn't that that if we haven't done something right in life, that we can't just come to church to make it better. As disciples, if we have things out there in the world that need to be taken care of, we, we do it outside these walls. All right, light again. Oaths unlike oats. One, two, three. Oaths unlike oats are not good for your heart. I double checked, and oaths unlike oats are not recommended by the American Heart Association, which I have um, kind of covered up there. But oats are really good for your heart, by the way. Um, I think I, that's what they say. Joking aside, when we talk about oaths, we are talking about agreements that you make. And I'm not just talking about shaking hands with someone. I'm talking about the agreements you make internally. We not only to be we not only need to be careful about the I wills that we make in our life. The I will do to this, I will do that. But we also need to make be super careful more than probably anything about the I am's that we make in our life. For every I will that I, that I toss on the floor, we make a thousand I am's internally. I am a failure. I am unhealthy. I am fat. Fall within the umbrella of agreements. We mustn't 
walk around sowing wild agreements about ourselves either because those agreements are binding. A lot of us struggle with negative thinking about ourselves, and we need to make sure we make only agreements with the words that God speaks about us. You only have room in your heart for agreements with the word of God. And I'm not just talking about agreements we think about ourselves. Us Christians are really bad about the agreements that we make of of the brothers and sisters sisters around us. uh, Agreements we make about family members. You know, when we nod our head when someone's talking trash about someone, I know. She is like this. She is like that. And we all along are just making these agreements. We are testifying to the truth of something. And Jesus says in this scripture that we need to pull it back and we need a course correction. I realize that as we discuss these very hard topics, like broken promises and dividing attention and calling ourselves fat, that we can really come down on ourselves hard. But that is not at all the intention of Jesus. Remember that Jesus is a course corrector, not some totalitarian taskmaster. He said these things to quicken us, to strengthen us, to protect us, to keep us from falling off the road into ditches. And he might need to, the words might seem like they're shouting at you, but it's because you're about to step into a ditch. I would rather someone shout at me and keep me out of the ditch than be dead. Jesus is trying to make us better for ourselves, better for each other, better for the church, and better for the world around us. He's trying to make us effective in a very difficult time by telling us that we need to watch our words. I think the reason that the world politicians and the systems get away with so much is because we can't look at ourselves and see that we're any different. We look at them and go, yeah, they're lying a lot. That's a lie. That's really bad. What they're doing is really bad, but I, I, lie, I lie too sometimes. I'm not very truthful sometimes, so I'm just going to shut up. And I'm going to place my vow in November. So during this pandemic, we have to slow down. And more than once, I've heard people express how much all of this has helped them understand that they need to slow down and not being so overcommitted. I was talking with the guy, he was like coach of two soccer teams, a baseball team. He traded stocks during day. You know, he was just so busy. And this whole thing just kind of stopped all that. And he's like, I don't know why I was so busy. So today is a great day to realign your commitments. If it's not in alignment with your relationship with Jesus, it's probably got to go. 
There's no better time to reorganize than now. Maybe this Holy Spirit has brought to mind a situation in the past where you unintentionally or intentionally did not follow through on something you committed to. Maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you to seek reconciliation. It might even be just as easy as a phone call and an I'm sorry. That takes five seconds to fix. Don't put it off. Close your computer now and call that person. Worship later. If, if that's you, read Matthew 5, chapter 23, and you'll understand. Maybe you've just been too frivolous sowing your wild oaths. Let me do this one more time because it's fun. And the Lord is asking you to re-engage on this topic so that you can re-imbue your, power, your words with power once again. That your yes or your no can speak for itself. Wouldn't that be great? As if your words meant something to the people you're speaking them to. I know I have so far to go in this manner. We all have so far to go. Whatever the case, as the worship team leads us in this next song, would you guys come back up? Let us seek the Lord's face on this matter. Don't fall into self-condemnation or worry or doubt because God always makes a way. It may look like you've, may, you've walked yourself into the middle of a wilderness and there's no way out, no way to find home, but God says, if you look to me, I will make a path for you through the wilderness. If you need prayer right now, drop us a line in the chat room. Just say, hey, I need prayer. I'm sure someone will follow up with you shortly. Or give a call to a brother or sister that you know from church or otherwise. Let's pray. Lord, today as we engage this word that is so difficult to understand and contextualize within our current world, because we're just so far. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit, we need your wisdom to shift our paradigms so that we're not bending the word to fit into our boxes that we understand, but that we shape ourselves around the word that you spoke. And so as we worship, Father, as we seek your face, I pray, Lord, that you would change us. I'm not necessarily asking you to make it easy for us to do this, but Lord, we know that when we do things by your power, it is no longer impossible. We pray this in your name. Amen.